This is the Career Insights Podcast, brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Insights, where it's all about how to develop your professional identity, engage with industry and build experience, strengthen your confidence in career planning and become the most employable you can be. I'm Jennifer Luke, career development educator and researcher with the University of Southern Queensland. Don't wait until you graduate. That's the focus of this episode and we'll be discussing why it is important to start career planning, building your professional identity and networking while you are still studying and not just at the end. So what and how do you do this? Well, today's guest has extensive experience as a radio presenter, broadcast media specialist, as well as lecturer and researcher. Welcome to USQ's Spencer Housen. Hello. Hello, Spencer, (laughs) and thank you for joining us. Hello from Cannon Hill, from the studios of 4BC. I know. I'm feeling very special that we've got this (laughs) connection going on uh, for this episode. Uh, But, Spencer, as... I do with every guest that we have on Career Insights. Would you like to start with just giving a bit of an overview of what your current roles are? Sure. So I'm. Um, I suppose that the um, in order of starting those roles, I'm lecturing at the University of Southern Queensland. I'm the radio production lecturer. I started at USQ at the beginning of 2017, initially as a, a tutor, and I've um, progressed. Um, I was industry fellow for a couple of years, which was all about making connections between uh, USQ and the media around Australia, and most recently have been uh, appointed lecturer radio production for the next five years. So, um, you know, USQ has a a radio station. It's the only university in Queensland with a 24-hour radio station, and uh, so I'm involved with our students there who are every every day uh, creating radio content. So that's, that's, uh, I guess, number one. And when I, well, I guess when I started that job, I um, soon after uh, began a role with the ABC, which was a program quality advisor. And so for three and a bit years, I travelled around Australia working with ABC radio presenters and producers. And then at the beginning of this year, I had to leave that behind because 4BC, the Channel 9 talk radio station in Brisbane, asked me if I'd like to present their weekend program. So I uh, was able to continue at USQ, which is great. I I clearly wasn't able to continue advising ABC presenters on how to make great radio whilst working for their uh, competitor. So I left the ABC. Uh, So yes, that's why I'm today here at Cannon Hill at the 4BC studios where I spend some of the week and uh, USQ I spend the rest of the week. And and the two, obviously, I mean, before that, I worked on air at the ABC for 23 years. And so um, between my ABC on-air experience and my ABC advisory role and my 4BC on-air experience, I think I bring a lot to my USQ job, which is about uh, training the, uh, the radio stars, the audio stars, the podcasting stars of the future. Thank you so much, Spencer. I knew as soon as I asked this question, it was going to be quite extensive what you're involved in. (laughs) And uh, as uh, I've got to know you over the last couple of years uh, at USQ with uh, your work with students, but definitely knowing about your background and your broadcast uh, background is I would love to know a little bit more about what your initial influences were. So what was it that made you decide to enter into broadcast media and just related areas such as that? 
Gosh. Okay. So you mean going way back in my life? You can life go, influences? go way back yeah. as far as you like. <laughs> Gosh. I remember. So so where I first, well, okay. So the very first thing when I look back, I had a, I had a five year, uh, was it a five year? No, it was a primary school diary. It was wonderful. Uh, I suppose a sort of A4 size folder and every year there was a, a slip for putting in certificates and, and bits and pieces. And it's this wonderful record of my primary school years. And, and one of the questions each year, so it was a, a, you know, a page a year or a folder a year, and one of the questions each year was, what's your ambition? And uh, I think if you went back to sort of grade one or grade two, I wanted to be a newspaper editor. That way, you know, that was right Oh, wow, right you're going there. way back. <laughs> way yes, back, yeah. way back. Um and then the second thing that I, I would say is that I used to watch a television show. I was about 10. I was still living in the UK and a TV show, show called Swap Shop, which was hosted by a Radio 1 DJ by the name of Noel Edmonds. And because he was a radio presenter, he did this, radio, this, this TV show on a Saturday morning, which was for children, but it was a talkback TV show. So people, kids rang in and it looked like a radio studio. You can find it on YouTube. Um, multicolored swap shop with Noel Edmonds. I'm going and to on, go and find that. Do it, yeah. <laughs> and on the screen they would have line one, Jennifer calling from Springfield. And so I sat at home and I wrote, I, I used to write production notes. So I, by the end of the three-hour show at midday every Saturday morning, I had like minute by minute what had happened in the program, including where all the people had, had called in from. <laughs> so there's that. And then I remember watching a TV show around the same time called Blue Peter, a kids show in the afternoon and they they said this this is live television you are watching live television let's uh, let's just turn this clock around and they they picked up a clock and they held it up to the camera and it was exactly the same time as obviously as my clock at home and i just went oh this is live television they can do this thing simple time and then the final piece in the puzzle we moved my mum and i moved to australia my mum and i split up my dad stayed in the uk and i um was given as a present a cassette recorder so I would have been about 10, and I used to record uh, letters to my dad rather than writing letters, and those letters, those cassettes became more and more complex, I suppose. I started playing songs, reading from the newspaper, doing the weather, interviewing my mum, and, you know, at some point, all of this, uh, and then the radio was always on at home. So, you know, in, in Brisbane, ABC radio was always on, and at some point, I guess I just... Well, it all started from a very young age, as you can see. Mm. And I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, by grade 10, I had decided I'm going to be in the media. So I dropped all the math science subjects, apart from maths one, which I had to keep doing. But I so did all humanities, um, got a TE score of 990, which is like an OP1 or an ATAR 99 or whatever. So I could have, you know, could have done anything, but stuck with what I wanted to do, um, which was journalism. So I did journalism at QUT and community radio for a while and then into the ABC. So, you know, I, it's funny, I, I, I talk to my students and I talk to my own son quite a bit about how it doesn't matter what your, what your current, what, you know, you don't have to know now what you're going to be doing when you're 40 or 50. You, you know, just, it's just about what you want to do next. And yet my own story is quite the opposite. Like I clearly <laughs> knew from about the age of five or six that I wanted to work in the media and boringly, here I am almost 50 still working in the media. I, and it's very interesting, uh, Spencer. Well, I just learned a lot more uh, about those influences uh, that you were talking about and the fact that you had such a clear uh, idea, you had so much clarity 
even in primary school about where you wanted to go. And but even there when you were saying and I know you talk to students about you don't need to know what's going to happen in 20, 30 years time because careers aren't linear. They, you know, they keep moving. Hmm. But even what you're doing, uh, you probably didn't factor in that you were going to be a lecturer at university in what you're doing now when you first got into radio. Oh, uh, true, true. So when I, I mean, I I remember at uni, there's the coin. I don't know whether it was a coin drop. At, at some point, I was at uni doing journalism, and they never really talked at at uni at at um, at that time at QUT. It was it was actually a business communication degree, ma- majoring in journalism. So there was not really any talk of you couldn't be a radio presenter. That was not a thing. It was you got to be a journalist, mm. and um, as opposed to the USQ students who were very much there to be part of radio programming. And so, you know, at, at some point, yeah, I, I just had this. I remember saying I was I was working at a market research company. We were we spent um, uh, hour after hour at nighttime phoning people asking whether they were happy with the service they got from Telstra. And uh, <laughs> I was never selling, not selling. Can I just say, not selling? I wasn't. I, we used to start with that. I'm not selling anything. But I remember saying to the woman sitting next to me one night, "I'm going to be a ra- I'm going to be an ABC radio presenter, like song interview, song interview." And that was the moment, I think, where, where yeah, that kind of did dis- define mm. exactly what it would be for 23 years. But you're right. I mean, when I finished up at the ABC on air, I worked for the Brisbane Times for six months. And um, and I had already written for, for um, BMAG for three years, which um, is no longer around, but it was a glossy free magazine delivered to 500,000 households. And I wrote a weekly column for that. And then I wrote a daily thing for the Brisbane Times for six months. And there was the teaching at USQ. And so, yes, um, I mean, I, I see all these things as, as natural progressions or they're all sort of linked. But you're right. I never imagined I would be a newspaper columnist, I guess, or a magazine columnist. Not at all. I was a ter- feature writing. I barely passed as a subject <laughs> at, at university. And yet, Somehow, I managed these days to make words come out that you know that are, that have been printed on the page, and I've made you know yeah I've I've been employed to to write. Yeah, and that actually leads in uh, to something that I'd love to ask you then, Spencer, because it is the fact that you've you've got such a wealth of experience across you know different um, areas of media, but definitely it's that broadcast um, media and, and radio that you've always had that really clear focus on is. If you were talking to any of your students or just somebody that um, came up to you and said, I really want to know what do I need to do to get into radio, for example, what would be some of the top skills? What would you tell them is that, look, these are the things you need to know or what you, um, how you have to go about it? Mm, okay, so I think there are a couple of things there. The, the how, how do you go about it? Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer by saying just start doing it. Mm, <laughs> that's the yes. that's the first one, and you know you, you sort of hinted at that in the introduction to the program. That it, these days it's so easy to to be your own content creator. So you you know I was creating content, making cassette recordings from my dad, but they weren't being heard by anyone other than who I sent the cassette to. These days you can absolutely, if you're in high school or in university, or or you're in your 40s and you're working at um, Bob Jane T-Mart and you're dreaming of being in radio, get the gear, buy the gear, rent the gear, however you can get your hands on the gear, start making radio, start making podcasts. If you want to work in television or film, there's a thing called YouTube. We didn't have YouTube 30 years ago, so start making video content. If you want to be a writer, 
we've got this thing called WordPress or any number of variations of that. Just start creating. You, we just didn't have this 30 years ago. So that's the first thing is just start doing it rather than doing your degree and at the end of the last day of the degree going, okay, now I'm going to get a job and they'll say to you, what experience do you have? Oh, none because I've just spent three years in books. I've just been studying. Yes. No, yeah. you, by then you need to have already got the experience. And then the second part of your question, which is about what you know, what skills do people need? I mean, I distill it down to three words. Tell me whether these are skills or, or soft skills. Maybe I don't know, but you've got to be you've got a capable, reliable, and likable are the three key things for me. You've got to be able to do the job. You've got to you've got to be someone who will turn up every day to do the job, and then you've got to be likable. And I know that's probably not a skill, is it? But um, well, it is, isn't it? You've got you've got to be someone who likes other people and works well with other people, and is someone that everyone wants to have around. No, it is, and and it's definitely it's that skill. It's it's those valuables or attributes, if you want to call it uh, that. But um, definitely, Spencer, and by you saying that, you know, it's just those three things. Uh, is that it, without those? Uh, you're pretty much going to fall over and and not be able to uh, find those uh, particular jobs or have employers interested in wanting to talk to you. Uh, well, you've got to have all three as well. Yeah, so you that's it, it. you can be you can be capable and reliable, but no, but not likable. You're not going to you're not going <laughs> to stay in the job because no one wants you around. You can be capable and likable, so you can do the job and you're the best person, but you actually don't turn up at five o'clock in the morning. That doesn't work either. Okay, so you can be reliable, you can turn up, and everyone likes you, but you can't actually do the job. You're not going to get. There you're you not going to do well either. So it's got to be all three. And then the other thing, just in terms of a specific skill in the media, it comes down to one thing, and that's curiosity. If you you've got to be the sort of person who, when you're driving along, you go and like I'm sitting in a studio right now that I've not sat in before Studio C here at 4BC at Cannon Hill and I'm looking out the window (laughs) yes and I'm looking out the window at what looks like the top of a a stadium so it's a building that I've driven past number a number of times but never looked up and sure as heck I'm going to go outside today and have a look at the roof of this building because have they stripped the roof off or are they you know like I don't know there's probably not a story there but you've got to be the sort of person who is always saying that's different to to what it was yesterday and why and if that's not you because I know people who are not like that that's fine but that you're not you need that if you're going to be in the media as a storyteller even if you're going to be even if you're sort of behind the scenes as a producer it 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 helps in the media to to always be going hey what about this that, that I saw on the way in here today And I love the fact that you highlighted uh, being curious, having that curiosity, and the fact that you were saying it's about uh, that storytelling. And that sort of leads into what I was going to ask you next, which is about the value of personal connections when you're building your career. So when you're looking for those opportunities, uh, and I know that you hear uh, the saying such as, it's not what you know, but who you know. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm just thinking just what you were saying before about having that curiosity and sort of keeping your eyes open. Well, it's, it's I think, yeah, it's absolutely the case that it's that it's who you know in the media. And I think it's one of the... I might you mentioned that I'm a researcher, which is gosh, the first time anyone's ever publicly described me as that. Um, I, I which slipped is... it in because it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing my I'm doing my master, so you know, maybe if I pass, then I can call myself a researcher. But I, so one of the, what I'm researching is uh, attitudes towards female radio presenters or women on radio, and 
because we have, uh, if you look at all radio presenters in Australia, 80% are male. And then if you want to look at um, prominent radio positions, breakfast shows, for example, um, then it's even more male-dominated. And so what I've ended up looking at in my research is, why is why how have we got to this place and what can we do to get more women on radio? And how we've got to this place, and, and I'm sure this, this is um, common in a lot of industries, but certainly in the arts, broadly speaking, in the arts, in the entertainment world, and definitely in the media, there's a lot of this. We've got a brand new show that we're going to launch at one o'clock on Sunday mornings. Who do we know? Who do we know? And then this conversation goes around the office. You know, who do we know that could present that show? What about Bill? Oh, Bill. And, and typically it's been male managers who have been having that conversation and just because of their social circles, then it's Bill, not Betty, who is the person that they think of. And so we get more men on the radio. So, mm. you know, I, I'm, I've seen it. I know that that is the case. And so if that is the case... Even at the ABC, where mo most jobs are advertised, there's still very much this thing where if 80 people apply for a job and you recognise Bill's name in the list of applicants, there's no doubt that you're going to definitely open that email and have a look at that and spend an extra 10 seconds reading that applicant application compared to someone you've never heard of before, which is wrong. You know, mm. the, 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 they should anonymise applicants um, in that sort of you know, process, but they don't. And so in both scenarios, you can see the value of just having having put your name in front of the people who are going to make the decisions. And so that, you know, University of Queensland do a great thing with their journalism school. They they have a, a JAX, they call, I think it's called JAX. Um, it's a club anyway, journalism club. And they have a networking event every six months. And I love this. And I've been along to a few. What they do is the, they hold it at a bar. The students pay to go but they pay twice what they should have to pay and they make up half of the group and the other half who are at this networking event are professionals in the media who don't have to pay to go they go on the promise of free booze so they always fill the room with what a people smart from the media move. it's yeah. so clever right so now you can see why i've been to a few and it's a really really clever idea and so i've met a number of uq journalism students that way um, who then have really impressed me, uh, you know, on those occasions by really talking to me and showing that they're serious, and their names are in my head now. So, you know, by doing that or by being on LinkedIn or Twitter, I'm still I'm still a big fan of Twitter. There's a lot of people in the media are on Twitter, so it's a good place. Speaking specifically about what, working in media, it's a good place to be to connect with and get your name in front of. You know, there's a there's a bloke in Victoria called Leo Puglisi. He's 13 years of age. He wants to work in the media. I'm oh, telling you, everyone yes. in the media, right, you know him too? Yes, yes. Right, okay, so he is your prime example of networking and getting your name out there and just doing it. The guy's in high school, he's making a, a weekly TV news program, he has reporters around the country, every single person that works in the media in Australia knows the name Leo Puglisi. And Spencer, I'm so glad that you mentioned him because you actually introduced me to uh, what he was doing uh, with, oh, right. with his uh, work and then finding out that he's still in high school. Yes. It was amazing. <laughs> and that actually, 
I'll use that to just uh, mention is that the next question I was going to uh, ask you was about being proactive. And you've really just given a whole heap of examples right there. Uh, But when you mentioned also about with the networks and making sure that you are expanding your networks, because you mentioned, you know, with your research where you've been looking at uh, women in media and when people, the decision makers, they're going with who they know in their networks. So it's about expanding out there. What I'd probably ask is we get a lot of students, not just in broadcast media at USQ, but across all disciplines, that when you mention to them about, you know, being a little bit more proactive while you're studying and and building your networks and, and connecting in with people, so many of them freak out because they immediately think they've got to be an extrovert and they've got to fling themselves out there into the middle of a big group of people at some major event and uh, basically throw out business cards or something like that. And it's getting them to think about other ways that you can network. What would be a couple of the uh, ways, and you've really explained it a little bit just with that UQ, uh, what they do with their journalism, but what would you say to some students if they were very hesitant to network? Mm. Yeah, I mean that you because okay, so that UQ event really plays to the extrovert, mm. and because it is a room full of people, and the first one of those that I went to was perhaps the best organised, in that they had little tables and you moved, the, you know, the bell rang and you you moved around, so you were forced to sort of sit with all the different people. I think that's a good way of doing it because that's a little bit less scary than leaving it to people to walk up to. Um, to, to strangers who are in the industry, I think if you're introverted, you'd be first of all. I'd say you'd be surprised at how many people who are in the media are intro- introverted. I mean, I I think it's it's become almost a, a hip um, cliche to say that you're an extroverted introvert, but uh, that's you know how <laughs> I sort of I, I think that I identify as that because that sounds pretty right to me. I mean, I'm forced mm. to to speak on stage sometimes on radio on television. Um, to an, to an audience, um, often at at um, clubs, I go and talk at at um, seniors clubs and and whatnot. But I really love being on my own. I mean, I power up by being on my own, and I and I achieve those other things by sometimes just sitting in the car outside 4BC for ten minutes before I come in, mm. with you know with Maccas or you know something like that, and just sort of sit <laughs> on my own, just really enjoy that last five or ten minutes on my own before I come in here. Yeah. And perform for six hours, you know, perform off air with the team and then perform on air. And so I guess, you know, if you are introverted, don't worry, there's plenty of us around. And in terms of what you, you know, yeah. what, what you do then as, as an introvert, well, if you, I think if you're empowered by that, that's the first step. And mm. then introverts, I think, work best sort of one-on-one, better one-on-one than in large groups. So that's where I'd say reach out to some people who are in the industry and, and maybe just start sending them emails and start, let's say you want to be in radio. Well, you know, just identify someone that you like that's in radio, send them an email, say, can I send you some of my material? Let me, let me know what you think. Or... You know what? Get get them on your show, your radio. So let's say you're at university and you have a radio show, and you want to get into radio. Well, just um, polish someone's ego by saying to them, "Can I have you on my show as a regular guest every couple of weeks?" They'll say yes. They'll come on for five minutes, and then you've got that relationship that you've built with that person. And then the next step is at Christmas, you say, can I come around and give you a bottle of wine? Can I come and look at the studio? And they've got your name in, well and truly in their head then as, yeah, this 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 kid who's, you know, studying radio. Yeah, he's he sounds great. He's got better and better every time he interviews me. 
And that's such a great example, uh, both by being proactive, but I think you've given a lot of hope, uh, Spencer, by just saying that you uh, yourself like to um, be able to get uh, on on air or um, on stage, and but you still then like to recharge, you know, in your own space. Is And I think just for people to understand, and I agree with you uh, where you were mentioning about a lot of people who are in that public speaking or in the media, how many of them, when you find out that they actually identify as, well, actually, I'm, I'm quite an introvert. I do like to go and have my own space. And so I think that needs to get out a lot more just to encourage people. Uh, and it's a perfect example what you said there. So definitely uh, what I would probably just lead up to as a final question with all of this, because this has been fantastic, thank you, is if you were talking to someone, whether it was a student or someone that was wanting to get into media, but let's say in particular a student, and it could be a first year where they're thinking, I don't need to do anything until I graduate and then I'll find a job. We want them to be thinking about it, you know, from the first moment that they start studying is that building on that career planning. So what would be your final words or advice to someone who is getting into, and we'll say broadcast media, that they can start to build opportunities as a first year, you know, in their first semester? What could they start to be doing just to get the ball rolling? Mm. Well, if you know exactly what you want to do, that's helpful, but it's certainly going to be the the, the absolute minority of people that are in that position. Mm. But if that is you and you really do know, then target that organisation or someone doing that role, the, the role that you want eventually. You know, I wanted to be, and like I sat, I was there that night doing my market research job, said to the person next to me, I want to be an ABC presenter playing, going music, interview, music, interview, music, interview. And so then I reached out, um, I, I don't know whether it happened after that or around the same time, to, to one of the producers at the ABC who was doing a show just like that. And I said, I'd like to come in one day a week. And so I, and, and I did that for six months. And, and then after that, got a, my first job at the ABC. So I knew ex I kind of it was getting even more focused in my mind, not just firstly media, then radio, then this sort of radio to this station. And then I reached out to the people who were actually doing it. I think the, the challenge, um, I would say, for first, and if, so if you don't know exactly what you want to do, don't, don't panic about that experience as much as you can start absorbing as much media as you can uh, reach out when you get when you think about someone you want to reach out to and, and ask a question about how they got there do all of that the challenge is this there is actually a shortage of good people uh, who, who are reliable capable and likable in the media so this is this is actually the good news if you're studying media there is a shortage of good radio producers good radio presenters that's not to say that everyone who's studying radio right now that wants to be a presenter will get on air you've got to be good there is a shortage though of good quality producers presenters even people in the broadcast tech side of things the people who fiddle the buttons and make the connections work between remote studios there is a shortage of good people so if you're in say midway through third year you're you're, you need to be open to starting to if you if you're if you're capable reliable and likable and you go into a radio get into a radio station and you do some sort of work experience they're going to try and grab you is what I'm getting to yes, um, yes. The, and they might say to you you've only got six months to go you know you can don't worry about uni um, or go part time with uni and just start working with us which could be a really good thing to do if you're in first year to your question that's that's um, problematic 
because you've probably not quite got enough experience and grown as a as a person. You know, you, you're just out of school maybe, um, but the temptation could be there to to drop out halfway through first year and go and start working, and and that's a, that's a tricky thing. So I guess you, because again, they might want to just grab you and say, you don't need to study at university, um, just just come and work for us. I guess just. Uh, my my thing would be to 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 make connections, uh, start to get a sense of what all, where all the different jobs are in the industry. If you can do a little bit of work experience, yes, but don't you know? I, I would absolutely encourage you to to stay the course with the university, uh, go at a measured pace with that work experience. But then by the time you get to third year and you've done you've done a whole bunch of things and got a whole bunch of experience yourself and created shows and created YouTube videos, whatever it is, so that by the time you midway through third year, you've spent so much time getting to know different people in the industry and they're, they're practically wanting to just not let you leave the building because they love you so much. There's a shortage of good people and you should be able to get a good job. That was a very long answer to the question. No, but you pack so much into that answer, <laughs> Spencer. So I would say is that uh, with what you were saying there, it's that occupational research. It's about building your capabilities and just being curious and building those connections. And to finish, can you please just repeat those three skills that you've yeah, mentioned yes. a number of times? Sure. Well, are they are they skills or are they? Um, they're attributes. What? Yeah, they're at, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's um, capable, reliable, and likable. There if you you're, go. You've got to be all three: capable, be able to do the job, actually turn up to do the job. And then be someone that people want around. USQ has has three, but they're very, like officially has three in its recruitment process, which are very similar but slightly different. Which are can do the job, will do the job, and will fit into the organisation. It's the same. It's kind of the same. But I like the th the three just single words: just capable, reliable, likable. And you know what? They are all about employability, so they are perfect, uh, Spencer. And I would say that's the perfect way to finish off this episode uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, for today's career insights show it has been really great um, to chat to you and uh, i would just say a huge thank you to spencer hausen for joining us and generously sharing his insights long time listener first time guest thanks for having me on the podcast it's been amazing thank you Career Insights is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team and is produced by USQ creative arts student Byron Quayle.